Welcome back to the OCD Bunk Podcast. If you are on that wild ride of two steps forward, one step back, or two steps forward, ten steps back, this might just be the podcast for you. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, I know it's going to be probably a bit of a heavier topic, but I figured that it is kind of an appropriate time of the season to talk about this, and so I figured that I'd just dive into it. I'll try to keep it not so um, heavy and, and, and sad and stuff like that, but I do think that talking through hard topics sometimes can be very, very helpful. So um, today I want to talk about when you slip back in your recovery, so if you've had a lapse, if you've maybe, you know, had a few slip-ups and you kind of can't seem to gain your footing, or if you have a full relapse and you find that you are at the severity that you were before treatment or maybe even worse, and um, the sad thing about this is that this is a reality, right? I think a lot of people will go through lapses throughout their life because... OCD is not something that is uh, one one time fixes everything. It's more of a wash, rinse, and repeat, as some therapists like to refer to it as. And so it is totally normal to have some slip-ups. It's totally normal to have bad days. It's totally normal to have bad months. The most important thing is to pick yourself back up when you do find yourself in those situations. And so in this episode, I'd like to talk about kind of how... I go about that and how I've seen other people go about it that have that has brought about some really good results as well. So um, this podcast is mostly focused on OCD, but you can also apply these concepts to other areas of your life, anxiety, depression, um, drug addiction, anything really where you are constantly fighting towards recovery because no matter where you are in your recovery, you can still slip back if you're not careful. And that's a really hard reality to accept. It's a really hard reality to face, but it is reality. And so it's nice to know that there are tools out there for when that does happen so that you can get back to feeling better as soon as possible. So um, one reason, one big reason that I decided to do this podcast now is because I know that we are getting into the season at least where I am in my part of the world, we're going towards fall, and um, that means gloomy, cold, you know, winter can be really gloomy and cold, and a lot of people get seasonal depression, and I have found that I have actually been dealing with some seasonal depression, and I don't know that if, I don't know whether it's seasonal or if it's just as a result of my OCD, because I do get depression quite a bit, um, I've just been noticing it right now, and the weather happens to be gloomy, so I don't know if they're kind of related at all, but seasonal depression is something that's really difficult that I know a lot of people deal with, and it's really hard because (laughs) you can go out and do all these things to try to feel better, but you can't change the weather. That's one thing that you can't control, so it's something where you just kind of need to try to work around it and make the best of what you have. So I think that... um, at least for me, I've found certain seasons and certain times of the year to be really triggering for my OCD. For example, when I was really bad a few years ago, I had 
like really really bad panic attacks around thunderstorms it was just a certain obsession that I had and it was just like so many nights I would wake up with really really bad panic attacks to the point where I never thought that I would be able to live life without (laughs) having a panic attack basically every night um so now anytime it gets towards May and like the thunderstormy time of year I tend to get really anxious and depressed too because I remember how it was back then and even though I've gotten over that it's still pretty triggering so I know a lot of people might have triggers for seasonal depression even if they used to deal with it and they don't so much now even just the thought of going into the colder weather can be stressful and scary so um one thing that I would remind you is that if you are going through seasonal depression um you're not the only one there are other people going through it and I'm not saying that to kind of tell you that hey it's easy you're not the only one going through this just kind of buck up and keep going what I'm saying is there are other people who are going through this so finding those people that can stand alongside you and you can encourage them they can encourage you can be a really really helpful thing because I know at least with my depression sometimes I don't feel like spending time with anybody but then when I force myself to, and if I force myself to spend time with the right people and the people that I'm comfortable with, then I do end up feeling better afterwards. Um, So it's really helpful to have people in your corner that you really trust. And I think that it's also really special to be able to share your recovery journey with other people as long as it's kind of like a, uh, I I can't think of the word right now. Um, You know, in science class when you learned about those relationships that help both parties it's one of those i can't think of the word uh concussions do that to you so i'm sorry but it's there's a word for it but that um it's it's really that's gonna bug me this whole time but yeah when you find a relationship where you can help someone and they can help you and you don't have to feel like you always have to be stressed to put in the effort to be there for them or to always be perfect around them then that's a really great relationship if you guys both drive each other towards your values and you know um I think that's really great so if you can find someone like that especially if you're kind of struggling during this time of year it's really helpful to know that you have someone on your side even if they're not always physically next to you it's just nice to know that someone's thinking about you and helping you out so um let's see so relapses with OCD are a very scary but very um real thing and sometimes I just don't really like to think about them because I always think like oh that would never happen to me I'm doing so well and uh it can just hit you out of the blue and that's the hard thing and so I think that knowing what to do when you get there before you get there is really helpful because in the moment when you're drowning you're not going to want a lesson on how to swim you're going to want to learn how to swim ahead of time so that if you do get you know like a in an emergency situation the reflexes just kick in and it just happens and you know exactly what to do because it's muscle memory so um that's what i tried to do and obviously when in the moment it's not as easy as just that right so it's good to refresh yourself on these things it's good to remind yourself while you're going through a lapse or a relapse or a little slip back um that you do have these tools in your corner 
to use, right? And so one thing that my therapist likes to say a lot is that even if you slip back, even if you have a lapse, even if you have a relapse, you are never going to be worse than you were before recovery and before therapy because you know the tools now, so you're never going to be ignorant of those tools anymore. So even if you're struggling, let's say let's say you were struggling, like maybe your Y box scale before you started therapy was like maybe you were like a 32 or something. Um, even if now you've gotten better, but then you relapsed and now you're worse, you're like a 35, let's say. And if you don't know what the white box scale is, it's basically just to gauge how severe someone's OCD is on a scale of 1 to 40, 40 being the most extreme, 0 being nothing. So um, say you're at a 35 now when you started therapy before you were only at a 32. So technically your white box scale is higher, but you're still in a better position than before you before we went to therapy because you know the tools so and you know that recovery is out there you know that it exists you know that it's possible and you have seen it for yourself you have done it for yourself and so you're never going to be in a worse position than before you had therapy even if you're going through a relapse and that was really encouraging to me because you know messing up is just a part of learning how to recover, I think it's really important to just not stay there. So I think I am going to add that there is one way that you can be in a worse position than before you started therapy, and that's if you're complacent and you don't care anymore. Because it doesn't matter if you know what the tools are, if you're not going to use them, and if you refuse to use them, and, um, you know, you just let them sit there in the corner, and you allow yourself to forget about them, then yeah, you can become worse than before therapy but it's always it's always a choice it's always a it's always a decision a conscious decision um even though sometimes we like to tell ourselves that it's not our choice um OCD is not our choice but how we tackle getting better is our choice and I think that sometimes especially I've gone through this and I've seen other people go through this where when when I'm especially struggling I sometimes like to use OCD as my excuse or my crutch and say, no, it's just because I have OCD, I can't help it. Well, you can't help having OCD, but you can help what you're doing about that. So I think it's a good reminder. It's a harsh reminder, but it's also good to think that, you know, OCD is about control and having control over every little thing, which you're not allowed to do. (laughs) OCD therapy is all about... um, accepting that you don't have control over a lot of things but the one thing that you are allowed to control and that you can control is your control over your OCD so don't forget that and don't forget how far you've come really take a look back at all the goods and the bads the ups and the downs and realize that every success helped fuel how far you've come helped fuel you to feeling better and every setback has helped you learn Um, for the future and it's really important to look back and reflect on those things so that you can take the goods and re-implement them and take the bads and try to avoid those situations in the future. Um, Another really big reason that I am doing this episode, if you couldn't tell already, is that I am going through a bit of a lapse right now. I wouldn't say a relapse because I am not anywhere near as bad as I was before, but I think that OCD also has this, like, really cruel way of 
when you start struggling even a little bit, when you start kind of slipping back even a little bit, OCD is the doubting disorder, right? So it'll just throw all of that onto you. And it's like, oh, wow, you're getting worse. Now, now this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And like, you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your house. You're going to be homeless. You're going to die. You're going to let everybody down. Like all of these really, really bad outcomes, OCD just throws in your face. And the way that it tries to (laughs) convince you that you can get out of those situations is by performing compulsions again. (laughs) Ta-da! So it kind of tries to trick you and say, hey, your OCD is getting worse. Just, you know, embrace your OCD more and then it won't be as bad. And I'm like, no, that it's the self-fulfilling prophecy again. I don't know if I've mentioned this on other episodes, but that's another huge thing that my therapist has talked about and that I have seen happen in my life where your OCD makes you so scared of a certain outcome that your compulsions actually make that outcome come true. So for example, if you're super, super scared to, um, let your friends down, right? Let's say you're super scared to let your friends down. This actually happened. This is something that I struggle with. So I'll, I'll give you a real world example. So before I really struggled with OCD, I really loved giving gifts to people. That was like a way that I showed that I cared about them a lot. And I would think about them and make them really thoughtful and really like special and stuff like that. And I loved that because it showed somebody that I didn't just buy them something random. Like I really put thought into it and listened to their likes and dislikes and things like that. So now, fast forward, uh, relationship OCD is something that I really struggle with and I always feel like I'm going to let people down and I always feel like they're going to think that I don't care about them. And so gifting things to people is really hard for me now because I feel like if I don't get them something exactly perfect, then they're going to know that I don't value them and don't like them even though I do, but they're going to think that I don't. And then they're going to be like really hurt and um so then I get so overwhelmed that I don't buy them a gift or I put it off and then that's even worse because I either a don't give it to them at all because I'm so overwhelmed or b I give it to them like months late which also like both of those scenarios shout I don't like you or I don't value you as a person when it's the complete opposite it's like I'm so worried that I'm going to let them down that I let them down because of OCD so OCD does that a lot and that's exactly what it does when you go through a relapse. It's like, hey, you know, this is this is familiar. This is kind of your coping mechanism. Just slip back into these compulsions. They're going to make you feel better in the moment and that's how it lies to you. And then, you know, you start going down that slippery slope of going back to your old habits and your old ways and before you know it, you're kind of back at square one and it it's really, really rough. It really is, but I think that being able to pull yourself out of that is a very necessary skill to know. And so make sure that you have support on your side. Make sure that you have your therapist there next to you. You have your support system. And just go back to the basics. That's really the the first step. Take, take a step back. Take a second to pause and to acknowledge, okay, I need to step it up in my, um, in my recovery, in my therapy. I have slipped back. It's okay. I'm still alive, I'm still here, and I know what to do. Even if it's going to be hard to implement, I know what to do. And that's that's the joy of ERP, right? Because it's always the same core structure for, like, you know, how to implement your therapy. Um, sure, it's, like, same OCD, different flavors, I guess. It's It's, like, when you strip it all down, it's all just OCD, right? And so 
you can go back to the basics and I recommend starting slow, right? With OCD, we like to be all or nothing. So for me, it's like, oh, I'm slipping back, slipping back, but I'll let myself slip back a little bit because once again, sometimes we enjoy being in that struggle because it's a comfort zone for us. Um, But then one day you wake up and start freaking out because you realize just how far you've slipped back and you want to do everything all at once to get better. That's just not realistic. It's going to burn you out. It's going to make you really discouraged and it's just not healthy. It's not um, maintainable. So I think that just taking a second to pause and acknowledge the fact that you're struggling, that you've kind of lapsed or relapsed, and then making a game plan but going slow is really important. So um, one of the one of the first things that I recommend is going to your accountability partner, especially if you have a therapist on your side, I really recommend contacting them. And um, at least for me, so I had an appointment with my therapist just the other day and I was worried because like the past few appointments have been, oh yeah, I'm doing great, I'm doing great, I can't imagine, or I can't, I can't believe that I'm doing this well, I can't believe that like OCD isn't really even affecting me so much. And then this last one, I just felt like I was gonna let him down if I just admitted like, yeah, I've really been struggling lately, but it was really helpful because it helps get that out of my head and talk through it with somebody else. And that's one thing that OCD does is it catastrophizes. So it makes it seem so much bigger in your head. Even if, let's say you have like a disastrous relapse, I'm sure your head is making it much worse. And that's because your OCD wants you to, wants to convince you to stay in that comfort zone of compulsions, right? So of course it's going to catastrophize and blow it all up in your head. But um, what you want to do is share it with your accountability partner so that they can start working through it with you. That will allow you to feel like you have someone in your corner because then they're going to be able to check up on you and show you, you know, their support. And that's just huge because OCD really likes to isolate people, make them feel very alone. So having that accountability partner is really, really helpful, I've found. And, you know, your therapist can help you go back to the basics and remind you of all of the successes that you've had in the past and help you know that you're able to find those successes again, right? And so number one, find an accountability partner and talk to them. I guarantee you, as long as it's somebody who's like on your side, kind of knows what's going on, if they're supportive and if they're a good accountability partner, they're going to be all in with helping you get better and getting to where you need to be, right? Um, The second thing that I really, really recommend is to not be too harsh on yourself or set unrealistic expectations. I think I already kind of mentioned this, but go very slow, especially in the beginning, because it's going to be a painful process. It's basically like doing ERP all over again, except for it's sometimes more discouraging because you don't feel, I don't know, going through ERP therapy for the very first time and overcoming compulsions for the very first time is like super, super hard, but it's also extremely rewarding because you realize that you're able to do things that you haven't been able to do for like months or years, right? But doing ERP therapy for the second time, it's rewarding, but it's also kind of like discouraging at the same time because you know you were able to overcome this thing just a few months ago, let's say, and all of a sudden you can't. So in that way, it's unrealistic, but it's also, or not unrealistic, in that way, it's like, um, kind of discouraging, but it's also super encouraging to see like, hey, I've done this before. I know I can do it again. 
and let's just go. And usually if you start slow, you build up a little bit of momentum and you'll find that your recovery is going to go much faster, especially because you've been through this before. You just have to get back into the routine of being very proactive rather than reactive. And I think this is something that I'm guilty of, you know. I've had quite a few stressors come into my life lately, not necessarily all bad. A lot of them have been really good, but I have a really hard time with change. And so I've been a little more reactive in my recovery rather than proactive. So I really need to take control and be accountable to myself to sit down and write out what I need to do every day as far as my exposures and stick to them. And then once again, go back to that accountability partner and really talk through with them. And I think it's really important to share your successes. I think it's really important to celebrate those successes and take time to acknowledge them. But I also think that it's really important to share when you have struggled because sometimes, once again, OCD catastrophizes. So sometimes in your head, you might think like, wow, I completely failed in this section of my therapy today, in this section of my recovery. And um, you might be really down on yourself, but when you share it with you know, your therapist or your accountability partner, partner, your mind might just be blowing it out of proportion. And it might be that that was actually success, but you're brain was making you think that like you did an awful job right and so it's really great to share both successes and struggles while you're going through this um and you know finding seeing that progress and sharing it and celebrating it with somebody else is really helpful because it makes it feel more real (laughs) because we all know that our heads like to make up a lot of things And just like your head can make up and catastrophize so many of your, like, um, weaknesses, right? It can also make things up in your head of, like, oh, you're not getting far at all. You're, you know, that success wasn't really a success. It doesn't matter. You're just being prideful. You're just being, like, all self-centered. And um, in sharing it with somebody else, I think it's really exciting to see them get excited for you. And it's just really special. Um, So... That's that's something that's really hard for me to do because I I don't like attention. Like I I don't like positive attention, let's say. Like if somebody's going to come up to me and tell me like, "Hey, you need to work on this and this and this." It's it's like, "Okay, good. Finally, they see me like for the person I really am." <laughs> um, but when somebody comes up and like starts complimenting me, I I I can't but it's something really important and I think that that's actually part of therapy too right so um having someone in your corner to share those things with that you're comfortable with is really helpful so um let's see what else I I had uh sorry my brain is kind of everywhere right now um uh okay one other thing I know it's kind of cliche um But at least for me, I've realized how intertwined mental health is with physical health. Um, And so making sure that you're sleeping well, eating well, and exercising well can really help expedite the process of recovery. I am really guilty of this. I used to eat super well. I used to work out a lot. Uh, sleeping has never been one of my strengths, I'm not gonna lie, but (laughs) those two I used to be much better at, and once again, it was being proactive rather than reactive, and 
I know that eating better, exercising more, and sleeping well isn't going to cure everything. You're not going to just go to your therapist and be like, guess what, I'm cured because I decided to eat cucumbers today. It, do- it doesn't work that way. But you know what, when you're eating better, when you're exercising better, or exercising more, it is going to help you feel better, put you mentally in a better space. And I've found that it helps release a lot of the pent-up anxiety and stress inside. Um, so, like, specifically, I, I hate the idea of finding a workout that you hate but that makes you feel better afterwards. Now, if somebody has the mental fortitude and the discipline to do that every single day, even though you hate it in the moment, but, like, afterwards you're going to feel good... I think they're amazing. I think that's super cool. But for me, especially when I'm already struggling with like getting out of bed and I'm struggling with just getting to work on time because of all of my compulsions, it's like I want to find a workout that I actually enjoy in the moment too. And not to say that, okay, so for example, unicycling is my thing. That's my, that's my, the way that I release my stress And sometimes I don't feel like going to unicycle. Um, But as soon as I start, I love it. Now, I've heard people say like, no, I just force myself to do it. I hate it the entire time, but afterwards I'm happy. I'm like, good for you, but you're miserable. Um, Find something that you enjoy, if possible. Um, I think that it's really important to make exercise fun. And, you know... Sometimes, of course, you're going to do stuff for you that's good for you, but you don't really feel like doing. That's just called being an adult. That's just called being a human, right? But, um, you know, I think finding things that you look forward to doing as a source of, like, stress relief and, like, (laughs) decompressing is really helpful. Another thing that really helps me is playing the piano because I can just, like, let my heart and soul into the keyboard and just release so much stress so sleeping and eating well and exercising is like super important I know that some people overuse this and make it seem like it's a cure-all I know it's not but also I know that even if so say you're say I I have no clue where I was going there (laughs) I just lost my train of thought but anyways what I was gonna say yeah, uh, it was, it was good, whatever it was, it was, it was gonna sound good, (laughs) uh, okay, with exercise, so, I struggle with, like, my body image a lot, and, like, I am not diagnosed with body, body dysmorphic disorder, but, like, my therapist and I had, have gone through, um, exposures for stuff like that in the past, so it's not like I'm, like, officially diagnosed but I do kind of like borderline struggle with that stuff a lot and so um like eating and working out and like my weight are something that I I ruminate on a lot and so sleeping better and eating well and exercising are gonna just help like put you in a mental state of like feeling better about your body image and I don't want people to take this the wrong way because a lot of people with body dysmorphic disorder that turns into a compulsion and even for me too so it really has to be like moderated but I think that completely dropping any 
efforts to like help your physical health is that all or nothing, right? That's the nothing of the all or nothing. Now, if you start it back up in a healthy way, that's good, but make sure that you don't go on the other extreme, um, going back to the compulsions of like, you know, exercising four hours a day, eating only like 700 calories a day and all this stuff, because yeah, that's really dangerous too. But I think that a lot of recovery is just kind of stopping and discerning where you have slipped into that all or nothing and where you need to come back to the middle. Um, and it's going to take time, right? Just remember back to like the first, your very first time going through ERP. And I don't want to say first time because that makes it sound like you stop in the middle and then you just kind of wait for a relapse to happen. No, you're supposed to be in like, um, maintenance, right? So you really, really focus on, on your recovery, on your therapy and everything like that. And then you get to a point where you can just maintain, and you're still doing ERP, but it's just not, like, it's almost automatic, right? But when you have to go back to that more, like, conscious effort, just remember, the first time you're going through this really hard, like, time of conscious effort and putting all your energy into ERP, it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight now. But I think that's also important because when you get through it, you're going to want to fight harder to stay in maintenance and to stay good, to stay better, you know, like mentally healthy. And so I think that if you are, you know, if, if you're kind to yourself and and stuff like that, and you take it slow, but take it seriously, the success, the success is going to come again, and also don't let yourself stick in, or slide back into the idea of, you know, oh, well, yeah, I struggle with this super hard disorder, so I'm going to just chill here for a second, or yeah, I'm struggling a lot, so I'm just going to, you know, use that as an excuse. That's a huge danger once again, right? So it's all black and white. It really comes down to that. If you find yourself going to one extreme or the other, that's dangerous and make sure that you just pull yourself back to the middle. If you do that, then, you know, you're, you're in good hands, especially if you have that great therapist on your side, especially if you have your game plan, if you're proactive, if you're making an effort to, you know, really improve your physical health or keep it up, not even, you don't need to be perfect, right? Even if you make a little effort every day, that's, that's great. It's, it's, it's perfect. Um, and don't rush it. Don't be too harsh on yourself and just remember how far you've come. Remember how far you're going to go and remember your why and your values and you're going to get there. You're going to get back to where you were before and even better. And, you know, the journey is sometimes really rough, but that's also the beauty of it because you see how much you've overcome and how much you're capable of. So don't forget that there are, um, there are people in your corner ready to help you. If you ever feel like you're completely alone and you don't have anybody, you know, just reach out on Instagram at OCDbunked. There are a lot of other advocates on Instagram as well. Um, and I know that they love people reaching out to them for help, and so don't feel like you're not allowed to ask for help. That's, like, a huge thing for me, is I have a really, really hard time asking for help, but I feel much better when I do. So, don't be scared. Other people have been in the same exact situation, 
in the sense of like, you know, they're struggling, they don't know what to do, they're scared to ask for help, but it's always darkest before the dawn. And I know that's like super cringy and super, um, uh, I forgot the word again. Oh my goodness. Uh, I know I say this like every single podcast, but don't get a concussion. Zero out of ten, never recommend it. Um, yeah. That, there goes my train of thought again. But it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're gonna get there. You're gonna get through it. As long as you put in the work and take your time, it's gonna be okay. And so, you've come this far, you've done it before, you can do it again. And I'd love to hear about your progress. If you have questions, if you need help, if you have any recommendations for future podcasts, please feel free to reach out to me at OCDbunked. I'm on Instagram. Um, I know I haven't posted in a while. (laughs) That's because I've been struggling lately and going through a lapse. And uh, that's why I also like recorded another episode earlier and never posted it because, you know, avoidance and perfectionism and all of those fun things. So yeah, that's about it. But I hope that, you know, I hope that you're doing okay. I hope that the rest of your week goes well. And don't forget that no matter how much your OCD tries to convince you that it is in control, it only has as much control as you allow it to have. And, you know, you are ultimately the one who will decide um, how your day is going to go, right? Um, In the sense that don't let OCD control you. Remember that you have control over it especially the more you work on it, the more you are proactive in your therapy, it's going to realize that you really don't want it in your life. And slowly it's going to just stop bugging you so much. So um, that's about it. I hope you have a great week. I hope your OCD has an awful week. I hope that it feels abandoned. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys in the next episode. All right, bye.